1: Welcome into the Hangtime Podcast. I'm your host, A.Q. Smith, here in the Orlando Bubble, trying to survive another day in this basketball mad paradise that we call the Bubble. And uh, the Western Conference Finals, East Conference Finals are in full swing. Joining us today to talk a little bit about what's going on down here in the Bubble is Brian Anderson of TNT, play-by-play announcer. You've heard his voice on these games and you know, just a fantastic job that he does on the air as always, Ba. Thanks for joining me, man. I know I'm on I'm on the green side of this basketball universe. You're on the yellow side. What I know what our isolation is like when we're not at the games. What's it like on on
0: the yellow side of the road? Well, we don't call it green and yellow, Sekou. We we call it the cool side. <laughs> And the others. We're the others that Shaq likes to talk about. Uh, You're (laughs) definitely in there on the cool side. Our existence here is, uh, I think, a little bit easier than yours. The uh, quarantine period was much shorter. We've been able to go in and out, although I haven't gone in and out. Uh, Others have. It's just a two-day quarantine. And, you know, we get our temperatures checked every day, but we test coronavirus test every third day about. So that's about the difference. We, we have a little more freedom to roam. Uh, and maybe more importantly than anything else, uh, we have room service. And <laughs> you don't. So the cool kids get left out on a, on a little bit of that. But no, it's been great. I, I mean, honestly, other than being away from my family and you're in the same boat and we're all kind of in that same boat where we miss our friends, our family, our, our communities, it could not be better. The Turner, Warner Media, they've done an incredible job with the NBA to put this together from the broadcasting side of it. That's another world that has to happen, not just the players and the playing of the games, but the world of broadcasting NBA basketball is a different world. And, you know, we have to keep our people safe too. And that means bringing in extra trucks. So there's room to spread out because we have these massive shows, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just uh, me and C-Web and Reggie and Allie. There's there's a whole crew of people up around 100, 120 and they have to have space as well. And we have to look out for each other as well. So uh, we started it with the match. If you remember the match, the golf event, that turns out to be uh, the first bubble. Yeah. And uh, there were a lot of NBA reps there, you know, and, and eager to see how that went. And the NBA was next. And then baseball will be next. The NFL's already started. So they've really set it up beautifully. And I think Warner Media and Turner Sports specifically deserves a lot of credit for thinking about us that way. Um, in parallel to the league, thinking about the players and the personnel on on that side of it. How different are the games to you? Um, I'll tell you honestly.
1: Once I'm in the gym and they throw that opening tip up, I get lost in what's going on between the lines and on the court. It doesn't feel any different to me watching a game now as it did before. But I know they're being consumed differently outside of the bubble. I was home for you know the start of play down here, the seating games and everything. So I did get a chance to see it from that other side. How different is it for you in terms of what you're watching, the calls you're making, and,
0: and how you kind of process your routine during a game? It's a lot different. It's not hard. It's just different to do our jobs. Um, to do my job as a play-by-play announcer, it's just different. Um, there are sight lines that are different The where your rhythms of your the nonverbal communication that you might have with your analyst. It's been a lot less physical because Reggie Miller pretty much posts me up on every big dunk or play. So (laughs) I'm not taking elbows to the ribs anymore because of the uh, plexiglass. But um, there's just uh, little things that you know remind you that this is an unusual time. Basically, the games for me, uh, I've been lost in the competition just like you. I think that's a credit to the players. I think basketball has been their only outlet. I think they're better because of it. I'll be really interested to find out a case study a few years down the road. um, If players do trim down their social life a little bit, because here there's no travel. They're not out. The squad's not here. The family's not here. You're not having to deal with tickets. You're not having to entertain. You're just playing basketball. And I know for a lot of those players, the boredom is a factor, And, you know, talking to Jamal Murray, he said he's been taking three, four hour naps every day, <laughs> right. but he's been balling, man. And I think these players are realizing you're seeing another sports, you know, taking care of yourself, preparing for games. Um, they look fresh, even yeah. the older guys, they look fresh. They're playing hard and the games are the best moment of their day. And uh, not that that wasn't always the case, but I think it's just hyper focused again on what they're doing for a living. So I've been really impressed with the games from a broadcasting standpoint. You know, the only time you really feel it is after a big moment. So game two, for example, Anthony Davis hits a buzzer beating shot or OG Ananobi hits a buzzer beater for Toronto in game three in that uh, Toronto Boston series. Those were our games. And as a play by play announcer, you make those calls and you're just, your instincts are you make the call and you just let the roar of the crowd Fill in all the spaces. And then it takes about five seconds as your voice is ricocheting back off you, (laughs) off that plexiglass, and you realize that's not the case. Uh, There's nothing for our director, Andrew Greathouse, to shoot. Uh, There's not many replays, uh, as far as fans go, crowd reaction for our producer, Tom Hides, (laughs) to produce. So then it forces you to recalibrate, get back in, kind of summarize what it is. And it's a very strange experience. Um, I felt like watching games in the bubble, much different experience than what folks at home are, are enjoying. That feels somewhat normal to me. Uh, when I was home before mm-hmm. I arrived here watching the seating games, it felt like normal broadcast. The sounds were normal. The voices were normal. The, the reactions were normal. But you get here and it feels like a movie set. And yeah. behind those LED boards, behind those big black curtains... There's empty space that is apparent in every way when you walk around the arena. Uh, And right after, uh, you know, Anthony Davis makes the shot and literally two minutes later, we're off the air, we're walking outside. There's not a soul in the wide world of sports complex as we walk back to the bus. It's just very surreal. Yes, that's that's a great way to describe it. You know, it it was
1: jarring for me the first game I went to. Just understanding that, hey, you know, things are going to happen through the course of a game that you would normally get that, as you mentioned, that crowd reaction or that vibe in the building when a moment in a game changes everything and it kind of goes in a different direction. You can sense the, the mood of the crowd change. You don't have that. Now, the weirdest thing for me was watching Miami win a series and they're moving on to the conference finals. And, you know, normally if you're at home, there's this raucous attitude, you know, crowd going crazy. Mm-hmm. They did kind of an old school 8th grade, you know, baseball team handshake line amongst each other and just went to the locker room like, you that's know, right. like oh well, no big deal. I was sitting there in that moment thinking, now that's strange. Like, we're going to crown a champion BA and there's not going to be a rope line, there's not going to be confetti. I don't even know how to anticipate what that's going to
0: be like seeing somebody win a championship in that fashion. It feels like I did a lot of golf in my day and uh, used to work for Golf Channel and we would uh, stage these these trophy presentations. You know, we would rehearse them. So we would rehearse those the Sunday morning before, and we would have stand-ins for the winners. And okay, you're going to stand here, and the sponsors, and all the people involved. You know, you've seen those a million times. Those golf trophy presentations, and it feels like the rehearsal, except it's real. And there's I don't even know what we're going to do, what Turner's going to do to crown a Western Conference champion. You know, how do we? I'm not sure. I haven't heard yet, so I'm not sure if we just take it into the locker room, and uh, you know, we can we can't get down there. So it's not like I'll be presenting anybody a trophy, uh, right. like, uh, I have in golf and in major league baseball, but yeah. And then it's not just those moments right after, you know, like I'm with you and it's even 20 minutes after when you're back in your hotel room, I'm sure for players coming off the adrenaline of that, the buzz of that to be, I'm sure they're probably sticking together on some level, but to ultimately to be back in your room and the walls are, just, you know, that's just you and the walls. There's going to be some great books. Maybe you'll write one, Sekou. There's going to be some great (laughs) stories, great books coming out of the bubble, and uh, there'll be some fascinating stories for sure.
1: Everybody is trying to document this the best way they can. I think it's interesting that some people have taken to social media and are doing it in real time. Um, I'm curious what it's going to feel like and look like to everybody, players, media, whoever's here, when we get a little distance, when we get home and say you're home for a month. And how do you look back on this experience? I'm upset that we don't have a good line to the teams and players that have already gone home. Just to see how they've dealt with leaving here when you've been here for as long as you have. And I think about the two teams that are going to play for a championship. They'll have been here for so long. I don't imagine it's going to be a very easy thing for either one of them. Do you leave here with the Larry O'Brien trophy? You're going to be ecstatic about winning the championship. But are you going to have a parade? how do you celebrate it when you get out of here since we're still dealing with this global pandemic? And then if you lose after being here all that time, how do you recover emotionally? Or, you know, as a, as a group, you're not going to have your normal schedule. You're going to get out of here and it's going to be October. It's going to be Halloween before you know it as opposed to the 4th of July, which is our normal, you know, routine coming out of a, an NBA season.
0: I think we're hearing a little bit of that. You know, you're, I, I remember Nikola Jokic telling Michael Malone before game seven well it was his birthday remember he turned 49 that day and he said well I'm going to give you two presents either you get to go home to see your family or you get to win a game seven and move on so and we're hearing from the television side you know I've heard from our colleagues you know I've heard from Kevin Harlan and I and Eagle and those guys are busy doing the NFL but they realize you know the bubble was very interesting and fun and uh, yes they are glad to be doing what they do for a living still and in some cases back home. But I think we're going to get a sense of both of that. Much different consequences. I preface this by saying much different consequences. Mm-hmm. But it does feel like a an assignment, a leave from a military base or a military assignment, um, mm-hmm. a deployment. And again, much different consequences, but it is the all or nothing. You're going from something that consumed you every minute, every hour of every day for months. And now you're going to try to go back to your home, your community, and try to uh re-acclimate into that. And that's not an easy thing to do either. I can speak, you know, from a broadcasting perspective, having done Major League Baseball all these years, when you do finish a baseball season in, in the summer and you now you're turning into the fall and you finally get home, uh, it's a little strange, you know. You have to find your way back in the house if you're married <laughs> and if you have a family and right. your kids, you're not part of the rhythm. And, you know, uh, I hope my dog doesn't bite me when I get home. (laughs) And I I think there's going to be a lot of good come out of it. There's going to be a lot of changes come out of this. I'm very curious to see what the bubble uh, spins off into as we hopefully get back to somewhat normal life as soon as we can.
1: There was an interesting moment after the game, game one of the Western Conference Finals, where LeBron James talked about, the MVP balloting and kind of how he felt about it. For those of us sitting in the room as he's talking, who are voters, um, I do the the Kia Racing MVP ladder every Friday on NBA.com. So I was appreciative of the fact that I know LeBron is consuming it. He's paying attention to how we vote. He probably knows who the voters are now that I realize that he's counting his 16 first team first place votes and then wondering why these other people didn't vote for him. Did you think he was on point with his comments just about being curious or having a head scratcher moment about the system that, that allows certain things that doesn't allow others? I wasn't upset that LeBron said what he said. I was kind of weirded out in a little way, B.A., that he didn't go in there and stump for Anthony Davis. I was thinking if he's going to make bones about the MVP race, which Giannis cleaned up in the first place, folks, but Anthony Davis was sixth. And he led the Lakers in 13 different statistical categories. I don't know why I was anticipating that LeBron would say something about AD, but it just—I was—I was going. This is maybe his chance to stump for AD because he spent so much time this season talking Anthony Davis up to us and making sure that we focused on the fact that Anthony Davis was a great player and finally on this playoff stage. Well,
0: alpha dogs will alpha <laughs> is how I put that. <laughs> And, you know, I feel like um, that's LeBron putting everybody on notice, similar to what would happen in the middle of a game with an officiating crew. Mm-hmm. Like, I I am paying attention. Not that you're going to change your vote or feel differently, but just know that I'm on the other side paying attention, and we know LeBron James doesn't miss anything ever. So I felt like, uh, for me, good. That feels like entertainment to me. And I don't have a an MVP vote, but I would not have, put lebron james first on my ballot i wouldn't have I, I mean i don't mind saying that i would have i would have had Giannis. but it's okay that he feels that way and when you're 35 years old and you're 17 and you're looking for things that bother you and looking for chips that's a that's a good chip man go ahead you know lebron james doesn't have many chips to put on his shoulder There, there there's just not many people that are dissing lebron james that he can use as bulletin board material right there's a, He's run out of the pie chart. So if he found a little slice on the pie chart, like, ooh, they got me here. Uh, you know, I think all the great ones do that. I think Tom Brady's doing that right now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I've heard Aaron Rodgers do it in the NFL. I heard CC Sabathia do it in Major League Baseball. You know what? Whatever it takes for you to continue your greatness and us to be entertained and enjoy what you're doing. I am all for, so <laughs> it probably was uncomfortable sitting there for you, but it makes for good TV. It makes for good talk show fodder, and that's great that people are talking about the game, and I do, I do think people will pay attention to their votes differently. Not everybody, because not every he's not pointing the finger at everybody. Right. He's pointing the, the finger at people who do flippantly make their votes and then, you know, or, or maybe we should examine who gets a vote. I don't know. I don't even know the process. But for me, it's just an interesting sidebar that LeBron has taken on as something to give him some motivation. And it became a very interesting post-game press conference. We're all about the entertainment part of this. They had a little hint of WWE in there. Like, <laughs> or AEW,
1: I better yes. say. AEW, AEW in there. It was, all, it was fun. We're all... Kind of dialed in to what's going on, and that was like you should have seen the ears perk up in the room because you know some <laughs> of us are voters and some of us are not. So you know you're wondering is he talking about me? If he knows the 16 people who voted for him, that means he knows the 85 people who didn't. <laughs> you know, so it's it's kind of cool. We always hear athletes give us that kind of storyline. line. Well, I don't read what you know, I don't care what people saying. Mm-hmm. I don't you know, I don't pay attention to what people saying when we know that's not the truth. They, whether directly or indirectly, they pay attention to every little thing. And I wrote about it after that game. I said that if we get no better reminder of the pettiness of all-time great players, if you watch The Last Dance, Michael Jordan made sure to put it on full display that, as you mentioned, these guys need something, even 17 years in, playing at the level that LeBron has played at. There's never you know, a
0: moment when they don't need a little bit of chip on their shoulder to get fired up. We're going to hear a lot more out of this from LeBron James in the next Three, four, five years—however long he's going to play, because he's aging and he's still great. But at some point, that scale is going to tip, and he's going to be using all of this. (laughs) We're going to be hearing way more. We're going to have wow, man! LeBron never used to say stuff like this. Well, yeah, he's forty. He's still giving him fifteen, you know, fifteen, eighteen a night, whatever he's doing. But he's he's going to be putting everybody on blast uh, until he gets to the finish line. So uh, bring it on, man! It makes for very interesting coverage and it just gives you a great understanding of how powerful the NBA is and how fun it is and so it's awesome.
1: No question about it we're going to hear more of you on TNT's broadcasts of the Western Conference Finals Brian Anderson join us here on the Hangtime Podcast B, I I appreciate you so much have fun over there in Yellowland order some room service for me and uh, get out and walk and breathe in that good fresh air that I think the air is different over here in the green part of the bubble I know you say we don't call it yellow and green
0: but it smells different when we get out of here different kind of clientele over there you're hanging out with Sekou so I think they've brought in the better oxygen The you know there's a lot of favor you've been given over there and the, with the cool kids always great to be with you man keep up the great work and uh, honored to be on your podcast man it's always fun to chat with you thank you so much B.A. I appreciate it sir we'll see you soon